Let's Podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovi. It's inside Eford Studios downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. I can see the future, Joe. I can see the ACC partnering with Copiers Plus, and they're the official printing out the fine sheet, sending letters to various schools for rushing. Actually, it's only like the schools that are not named Carolina and Duke for the future fines that are going to happen. Do you know the ACC is the only high major basketball conference that doesn't have fines related to court stormings? I did not know that. That's a fun, a fun little fact. My guess is after this weekend's events in Winston-Salem, we will be headed towards an, a, a, a time in which we have fines for court storms. Well, then we'll all just take a page from the Tennessee playbook. Because remember, they'll do like a GoFundMe uh-huh. to, to pay for the 50000 or 100000 or whatever number they're up to. Because it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's like 100000 we, we just beat Alabama in football. Yeah. It's like, go fuck yourself. Here's your money. <laughs> like, no shit, guys. It's a real deterrent. It, it really it really is a badge of honor at that point. <laughs> right. And that's kind of where we're at with the discourse from Saturday's game with Wake Forest beating Duke. Your Deeks, Joe? My Deeks. Your Deeks beating the Blue Devils? It's like... Oh, we got to ban this. What are you going to do? X, Y, Z. There's really not much you can do other than prepare for these types of things to happen. And it happens to Duke a lot. Our friend Brett Strelow, uh, who used to cover triangle basketball for the Fayetteville Observer, used to have a court storm tracker for Duke. And he retired it when Coach K retired. But during that time when he started it, 58 of Duke's 80 road losses from 1996 through 2022, not, not counting the COVID year, with almost no fans meant that 72 and a half percent of the time students rushed the court. And he's got the full list of times where it happened and where it didn't happen. You see NC state there a lot of times, but what's wild about this is when you, when you put this in context, the amount of times that students have rushed the court after beating Duke, how many actual incidents have occurred? It's a very low percentage. It just so happens, shout out to Roll Pack Forever. I was going to say, we well, got a famous one here. But there's Will. a very famous one from 10 years ago. Yes, Roll Pack Forever. Don't get me wrong on this. But we've the, the issue is that we've had two high-profile incidents, one with Caitlin Clark and now one with Duke, which is always high-profile with Cal Filipowski, which leads to the great discourse in the sky about what to do next, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to pretend we're not even going to have that discourse because too many other things happen this weekend yeah so I, I have nothing to add like right yeah like sun sunshine is good paying your taxes is bad like eating is good you know what like what do you really want me to tell you here when it comes to this that i that i can add anything i i, I can't add anything to john shire i get it feels deep you said 72 percent. he's probably been there for all he's been there for right? a few. Here's, I mean, here's john shire after the game but look for me it's i'm more concerned about the the well-being of our guys you know flip sprains his ankle when are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. And I'm telling you, I, I don't even think it was, what, did the buzzer go off and all of a sudden fans are at half court? You know, and I'm with Steve. And uh, all I, I turn and I see Flip is just surrounded by students and he's limping off. We're carrying him off the court. What, what sense does that make? Big thanks to Ethan Hyman over at the News and Observer for pulling that clip and putting this little photo montage together as Kyle Filipowski tries to explain what happened there at the end. I mean, just like any other 
uh, upset game where you know the the fans rush the court, just you know all all hell goes crazy, and um, you know just trying to get my way off the court, and you know you got these crazy cows who it's just doing whatever they want. And yeah, no, it was my knee. I, I you know I I felt a bunch of hits on my body. I um, so I absolutely feel like it was personal. Um, um, you know, intentional for sure. You know, like I said, there's, there's there's no reason where they see a big guy like me trying to work my way up the court and they, they can't just work around me. You know, there's no excuse for that. So that's Kyle Filipowski again. Big thanks to Ethan Hyman and Steve Wiseman over at the News and Observer for pulling that. And of course, Steve Forbes after the game, you know, you got to talk about this before you can actually talk about the win and what it means for Wake Forest. I think everybody was treated to an unbelievable game. Played by two really good teams at a really high level today and the best atmosphere we've had here since I've been here and probably in a long time. You know, Flip is a, he's a handful. He can score off the bounce. He can score from three. He can post up. You know, that's why he's probably a top ten, you know, draft pick. Um, I didn't see what happened at the end. You know, I hope he's okay. Um, I don't like court stormings. Never have. I've been a part of those before as a coach. We just don't feel safe. Um, and I'm sure the next time that happens, we'll do a better job of, of uh, you know, taking care of that situation. So, again, that's Steve Forbes. Again, big thanks to Ethan Hyman for pulling that. I do, I do actually have a couple of thoughts on this because I do feel that there are ways to get around this. And I do think it comes back to an attitude, right? So let's let's start from the jump. This only affects a handful of actual schools. It affects Duke. It affects North Carolina. It affects Kansas. It affects Kentucky. From that point on, you're not really Purdue as of late in the Big Ten for some reason. And there's only a handful of these schools where you really have to worry about it. And you know in advance that this is a possibility. I mean, Wake Forest was super, super hype about the fact that this was their first sellout since 2017. So you already know it's in a heightened state. You know that everybody is hyped up about they need this win to solidify NCAA tournament position at this point, even though the metrics seem to like Wake Forest going forward. And I think Steve Forbes said it at the end. We probably need to do a better job of this. As everybody pointed out, there were people on the court before the buzzer even sounded, right? But there's also a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because I've heard proposals about, well, with 10 seconds to go, if you know it's a loss, why don't you get the kids off the court? Roy Williams did that at Florida State. He got roasted forever. I was going to say. (laughs) That's the the only person I thought about with this stuff on Saturday. I was like, you see, Roy was right. Roy was right. All these years later. Mind you, he left the walk-ons out there to fend for themselves. But that's neither here nor there. Eh, we're just, just going to wave that hands. one off. Ah, whatever. But Roy was ultimately right. Like, man, I'm getting the hell off this court because I didn't like the situation. So it's really up to the schools. If you know this is going to happen and you know the school that's going to be there, like this doesn't happen with NC State beating Boston College over the weekend, right? It happens when Duke is in yeah, the building. NC State beat Duke last year and they didn't storm the court because of the K thing, I think. Because whatever. Okay, so at what point? I think you, yeah, if you're number stop. one, you're in the top 10, your yeah. team wins, like emotional release there, right? This Mm -hmm. was symbolic for the Steve Forbes era. Yes. Knocking on the door. You have good teams. You probably should have been in the NCAA tournament two years ago. You weren't. Mm -hmm. And you feel frustrated. You feel frustrated with the whole process. And this is your chance to score a big win. And they did. And, you know, now you're, you have this release. There's obviously a better way to do it, but 
you're trying to curb it, which way do you want it? Right. Like, Hey, I want people to be passionate about college basketball. Right. I want them to be passionate about college basketball before the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I want them to care about our product. Okay. I mean, I look at the, I look at the replay of, of Filipowski and I'm just like, man, buddy, if I was seven foot two forty or whatever he is, come on, man, people are bouncing off me. I'm getting off the floor. I'll, I'll make a move to the exit. We'll be okay. I think they're going to be more scared of you than they than you are of them. I don't know. I don't know. In in general, if there in was general. if there was a lesson over the weekend between this and what I saw with Cam Newton, which we'll talk about later, uh, people seem to be unafraid thanks to camera phones because that was the thing that I took away from this because there's an overhead shot, right? It, the people were like, "Ah, Kyle Filipowski instigated contact, dude." You'd be protecting yourself too. Protection mode I'm in protection mode. You got yeah. a bunch of people running at you. You don't know what the hell's going on. You're pissed that you just lost, like Caitlin Clark too, right? Like, yeah, no, no, she's pissed. Yeah. And I don't blame her. You just lost. You're a competitor. You're mad. You got these kids had nothing to do with the win running at you. Yeah, you're going to brace yourself. You're probably going to initiate some contact to brace yourself, right? But here's the thing that there's the two ultimate takeaways is that I don't think kids are actually paying attention to what they're doing because they're holding their phone up while they're doing it because you got to do it for the gram, right? If they're even on Instagram. It's not even the kids, man. I went to that Journey concert last week. I could not tell you how disappointed I was that everybody and their mother, everyone yeah. who, was, who had at least 10 years on me had their phones out. And I'm right. like, can't you just maybe listen no. to th- and enjoy? No, no, no. it's got to be recorded. No, no you got to hold your phone up while you <laughs> do it. So you're not paying attention. You're, all you're doing is recording the person behind you yeah. singing. That's all you're doing. You're not paying attention. So I just need to defend the youths there for a second. And I'll, um, I'll, I'll throw a shout out to Brendan Marks over at The Athletic because he had a quote from Jerome Tang. And I think this is probably the best way I go about it. If you don't want this to happen anymore, it's really on the coaches and the administration to basically tell the students, hey, man, we get it. You want to be excited. This is your chance to make memories. This is why I don't fault students for rushing the field, rushing the court, because they're 18, 19. This is their memories. We were stupid at that age. And based on some behavior in our adult age, we also still make some dumb decisions, all right, with alcohol. No, never, never. <laughs> so I love the way that Jerome Tang went about it. He basically said, you get one, you get one. You handle that. And then after that, it's an expectation to win. And I'm like, you know what? That's the attitude t- change that you probably have to have going forward. But as far as all the hand wringing that occurred over the weekend after, as to what happened, nothing is actually going to happen of consequence. We'll go right back to the start on this. Okay, so the ACC starts to implement fines. Cool. There's going to be schools that will use it as a badge of honor, like we've seen in the SEC. And, of course, we do know that the schools will never pay for anything because, you know, they're broke. I actually think this is a good problem for Duke. Okay. And I thought about this yesterday, watching Creighton lose to St. John's. Mm -hmm. The national media people, they love Creighton. They can't get enough of them. Oh, here we go. Here we they go cannot the, get enough here of them. We go with the Creighton thing. And I was, I was mad yesterday when they lost to St. John's. I sure. was mad. Sure. Okay. And I was sitting there waiting for somebody. I, I was looking for the ESPN scroll. I apologized to the field of 68. I didn't tune in to their, you know, the best and worst of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, it, maybe it did make it there. Somehow I doubt it. I didn't see any headlines, though, on ESPN's website that said, is Creighton soft? Mm-hmm. And I know you're saying, Julio, hey, they beat UConn last week. That's my effing point. They show up against St. John's and lose. Okay. Creighton's capable of beating anybody and capable of losing to anybody. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about Creighton the same way we talk about Duke. Mm-hmm. Even though if you look at their rosters, 
There's some similarities there. Okay. So my thing with, with Duke is, you know what, you know why people rush the court? You know why people call you out and call you soft and talk about you? Because you're Duke, because you matter. Creighton, they don't matter. That's why they don't get Jay Williams having to be like, well, your team's soft. Uh, we don't get Ethan Raggy on, uh, on game day being like, well, why is your team so soft? Because they don't matter. Ultimately, they don't matter. They don't move the needle. Mm-hmm. Duke moves the needle. That's why teams rush. That's why schools rush the court against you. That's why you get people taking shots at you all the time. You know what? That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Housekeeping. Big thanks to Enovana for sponsoring housekeeping. Check them out. E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. Green cleaning solutions. Uh, you can do a one-time cleaning. You can schedule a recurring cleaning. They got, they got my place every two weeks. And look, man, time is money. You talk about saving money. We talk about saving money a lot on this program. But the other thing that's valuable is your own time. And would you rather spend your weekend chilling on a nice weekend like it was on Sunday? I mean, it was gorgeous weather yes. yesterday, right? Would you rather be doing that, hanging out in your backyard, drinking, drinking a beer? Or would you rather be cleaning your bathroom? You don't want to be doing that. So hit up Enovana, E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. Speaking of tailgating and weather, we powered through on Saturday, man. Sure. OG it's a full day. OG quote, t- quote Jim Valvano. <laughs> That's a full day. OG tailgate, despite the fact that we had two lines of rain that came through. One was pretty serious that brought the cold front in. And there was a follow-up line of rain that left my car very, very moist in the next day. Um, thanks to everybody who showed up and powered through. Uh, big thanks to Sleek Fleet for bringing yep. our winners out as well. Big thanks to Kenneth at the Butcher's Market, who we owe a lot to. Uh, for going out there and grilling up the steak tips and making sandwiches, he even brought you hot dogs. And of course, our guy Kevin over at Sweetwater for providing the beverages. And we had a good crew show up and it was a lot of fun. A good time was had by all. Mm-hmm. It was a full day. We could do it again? Yeah. Let's do it again. That's, it's almost playoff time. I mean, we'll do it again for the playoffs, but we have another event coming up. One event's done. We move on to the next one. And that is March 21st. Yes. Longleaf in downtown Raleigh. We'll be doing our show Sleek Fleet live from Longleaf the first day of the NCAA tournament. We're going to do that at 1 o'clock so that way we can get there for the main part of the games. Uh, you can enjoy still, some lunch, all that fun I'm stuff. I'm still working on some some prizes. Our friends over at Longleaf. I'm not saying they're not Tar Heel friendly, but when I had suggested <laughs> that I was going to get a Tar Heel jacket to give away, there was some, you know, questioning of, of uh, that as a, as a prize yes, giveaway. Yes. So speaking, we'll, I'll make sure we take care of our people. Speaking of those prizes, they could be coming from Homefield. You can use our promo code OG23 to save 15% off your order. They just came out with a new Hendrick collection. The Rainbow Warrior DuPont jacket is so fire. And if you haven't used your promo code yet, use it on this one. It's it's amazing. My brother's like, oh my God, that jacket. I'm like, yeah, man. Did you already use the promo code? He goes, yes. Can I get another one? I'm like, nah, man. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. It's done for now. But yeah, use that promo code OG23. Get your NCAA Tournament March Madness extravaganza as well. You want to look fly when you're showing up to the party. You want to look good going to the ACC Tournament. Now's good. the time. Homefieldapparel.com. And speaking of saving money, our friend Matt Davis over at StateFarmInsureGarner.com. Check him out online, InsureGarner.com, VOGInsurance.com, or call him directly at 919-779-8277. You're looking for the QR code, aren't you? I'm looking for my Matt widget. Maybe next time. Next time, 919-779-8277. For real, give him a call. Save yourself some money on your insurance. All right, let's talk about actual basketball, shall we? What? What? 
you want to let's start with your deeks, Joe. I think people have finally started to see the talent on the court, and it's finally coming together and stacking some very important wins. Throw the Duke win on top of some blowout wins they've had. It has manipulated the net to put them in, I think, the top 25 last time I checked. It changes day to day. But it's interesting that Wake, with this win, and also being somewhat of a metrics darling at this point, Steve Forbes will still tell you, we still have work to do. That's where we are right now with the ACC. I mean, I agree. And I meant to call Bubba Cunningham this weekend. He's officially on, like, he can't text me back because it's public record type mode. Um, but I need to figure out like exactly Wait, what you, those... you guys don't have like a telegram or a signal. Yeah, or we probably, that. probably need one of those, but <laughs> no, you know, I'm genuinely curious about like what actually is said in the yes. selection committee room. And he, yeah. he was the head of the selection committee last year for the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And I really feel like there's a shift that people aren't paying attention to. We're getting so caught up in quads. We're getting so caught up in the net and we're getting so caught up in metrics. And I, I have no doubt that they're discussed, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately when you're on the board, when your team is discussed compared to somebody else, they want to know who did you beat? Who's in this tournament? Yeah. Who did you beat? You know, cause you could have a quad win over Penn state, right? Quad one win over Penn state on the road in the big 10 because of, scheduling nonsense same with the big 12 like you go to the worst team in the big 12 and it becomes a quad one win yeah, they're all quad one but, opportunities because but of the way it, the but does it went. matter no right yeah i don't know so i think ultimately there's a conversation to be had of who did you beat that's in this field and obviously duke is going to be in the field i, I still think virginia is going to be in the field mm-hmm. like far as has wins over those teams that's what ultimately is going to help you florida is going to need to do a little bit of work to get there but i think it's still a good win for them for wake here's here's the thing about wake they're still not even there yet. I know. You know what I mean? Like Monsanto, as we saw him in Durham in the most recent trip over here, he's playing on one leg. He's trying to help him and he is a shooter. But there's a game like, you know how Clay Thompson, every NBA finals has a game where he goes for 40 and you're like, oh, yeah, what the hell was that? Right. Monsanto has one of those games in them. Mm-hmm. And I promise you it'll be in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and Salas, obviously figuring out he's the bus driver. But, you know, car. Hildreth. Hey, car hit a big, I did big not, shot. I did not think that Reed was particularly great in this game. Uh, obviously, he's had some foul trouble in the games against Duke, but they, they're really good. Their roster, I'll just keep saying it, they have the best roster in the ACC. They do. And I saw that your conversation with one of our friends on Twitter was like, well, this now eliminates Steve Forbes from being the coach here. Yeah, right. It does. Yes. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, when you look at the parts, you're like, oh, what? Oh. That guy's good. You're like, yeah. It's incumbent upon them, though, to learn and to figure out how the pieces fit together and how they, the best way that they have to play to win. Hildreth, I think, had five shots in this game. Mm-hmm. That's your sweet spot, my it was. friend. Yes. That's your sweet spot. You know, it's interesting. You, you, we bring up Steve Forbes and the talent and everything else. And I was having this conversation with a couple of people about, you know, what do you root for? We're like, what is this thing that you want for the podcast? It's the same thing that would happen when we did radio. Like, it's like, well, you clearly want this to happen. I'm like, look, y'all, I just want whatever makes the show interesting. And there's one consistency throughout that is that when it comes to basketball and the big four, when all four are running hot, it makes everything better. Everything gets elevated. And the missing piece there has been Wake Forest for a good chunk of time. We get caught up in state. Will they? Won't they? Is this the right coach? Will they make the NCAA tournament? What's going on? NC State stuff, blah, 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 blah. But for a variety of reasons, we don't talk enough about Wake. 
And you and I were joking about this before we hit record. In a season that's been based on vibes more than anything else, the vibe around Wake Forest has gone in an upward trajectory. And the reason why is because Steve Forbes is the type of coach that the ACC needs. Not just because I think he's a good coach, but he's also the kind of coach that's willing to mix it up and be a personality. When John Shire touts Wake Forest as a tournament team, he's doing his job. It's the same thing that Mike Krzyzewski would do talking about, you know, we're a really good league. You know, this, the ACC is tough. I know what the metrics might say, but this is a tough group. You know, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't a terrible case. I, I need work on it. I need work on it. But Shire's kind of doing the same thing. But unfortunately, Shire just hasn't earned that level yet where people are going, oh, okay, here's what John Shire has to say. So in order to really break through, you got to be somebody like Steve Forbes that's willing to mix it up. And while I do get the joke that because they've got the best roster, you can't have Steve Forbes be the ACC coach of the year, but that doesn't mean he can't be the ACC coach of the year based on the fact that he will, he has no problems mixing it up. And Steve Forbes has kind of in a two minute clip here on social media, put it best, the issues that are going on right now around the ACC. We're not talking about the merits on the court. We're not talking about whether this team has done enough to make the NCAA tournament. We're starting to get into what have I talked about over the last couple of weeks? Well, I'm going to use these other things to discredit you. And Forbes went right after Joe Lenardi of ESPN. And I thought, I thought he handled it well, but I'm not an expert in that. And, 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 you know, I'll say it again. Joe Lenardi has made a living predicting the NCAA tournament. He's made a career out of it. Good for him. I'm not mad at him. I, it's not like I don't like him. I don't even know him. I've never even had a conversation with him. The issue that I had was a comment that he made a year ago when he explicitly said that Moses Wright, Alondis Williams, and um, uh, Wong, Isaiah Wong, were the last three players of the year compared to Zion and um, who else was it? Bagley and Brogdon. And I'm like, and then he said, basically, I'd, I'd, if, if we're going to complain, we just try to get back to having the best players. I just didn't think that was right. And that was really wrong. First of all, it's disrespectful to those three kids because being a player of the year, I didn't realize that was a prerequisite to having a great league or having a, having a tur- tournament resume or getting a seed. And quite frankly, he, 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 he neglected to say when Moses Wright got uh, player of the year, he led his team to the AC championship tournament championship, got COVID, didn't get a play in the tournament. But the number four pick in the draft in our league was Scotty Barnes. Okay, now you go the next year, he's, he's going to say that about Londis? When Paolo Bancaro was the number one pick in the draft. We had three first-team NBA picks that made second-team all-ACC. Wesley, LaRavia for us, and Wendell Moore. Then we had a third-team all-ACC player, Mark Williams, who was a first-round pick, and we had another ACC player that didn't even make all-league that was a first-round pick. A.J. Griffin. We had two teams playing the Final Four, one team playing the Elite Eight, and one team play for the National Championship. That's not a down league. And that was a disrespectful thing to say. And to say it about Wong, this guy led his team to the Final Four and was a second-round pick. Malcolm Brogdon was a second-round pick. He didn't lead his team to the Final Four. So I, I, I was upset about that. <clears throat> not about bracketology. So there's Steve Forbes, Wake Forest head coach. More of that. There's one thing you and I have learned about Steve Forbes. He's extremely online. Oh. And he has the time. Yeah. He has the time. 
and he has no well, and, I, and I like what he and, did there because he's he's pointing out the real issue when we talk about the ACC bracketology and everything else. For whatever reason, the likes of Joe Lenardi have convinced themselves it's it's not enough to point out the metrics. Like, oh, well, look at Ken Palm. Look at RPI. Look at your strength of record. X, Y, Z. Fine. The numbers are the numbers. And we can get into the, the, we can debate the merits of those numbers all day. But when you double down and try to make these points and you end up becoming personal, which is what Joe Lenardi has done, then I don't fault Steve Forbes for coming back at him like he did over the weekend. Yeah. And I think Mark Gottfried used to get into this a little bit with Joe Lenardi too. And it's like... It's made for television. He's right. The guy has made a career out of predicting the the tournament. And we, we you have to tip your hat a little bit to that. But for the most part, I, I think there's a little bit of stay in your lane here for Joe Lenardi. Mm-hmm. And this is why I also prefer Patrick Stevens, who's on with us every week. Patrick's making no attempt to tell you anything other than what he thinks is going to be in the tournament and how you get to the tournament and how the committee works. When Joe starts telling you, oh, the league is down, this is why they're down, and it's like, okay, uh, we've we've talked about this with Carolina basketball before, even this year, mm-hmm. right? Hey, they might be good enough by this year's and against this year's field, but you can't compare them to like their 09 team or their 16. And I understand that mentality, but that's our job. Your job is to tell us who you think based on math mm-hmm. and numbers and the criteria Who's going to get into the tournament? Yeah. You don't need to tell me that the league's down or the now, league's different. To be fair, to, to channel my uh, little letter, Kenny, here, to be fair, I'm not telling Joe Lenardi to stick to bracketology. Okay? I kind of am. I'm not. I think in this particular instance, he's shaping a conversation and mm. he, he is not in a position. He's not in an opinion business, even though what he's doing is a pr- opinion-based projection. It he's is. not in the opinion business. What I'm getting at is if you're going to engage, if you're going to go that route, don't get mad when you get called out. That's what I'm getting sure. at. If you want to, if you want to delve into those streets, it'd be like me getting mad that I have an opinion on something that isn't necessarily something we talk about all the time. And then I get all worked up and mad and everything else. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I know I'm stepping out of what we typically sure. talk about. So I think that's where Joe Lenardi somehow gets messed up. It's like he's trying to combine the two. He's like, I'm this bracketologist, but clearly I have my own opinion on this conference, and you're kind of giving your game away. And rather than just saying and admitting, yes, not only am I doing bracketology for you, but I'm also giving you an impression of what the guys in the room think too. Okay, well, then I can buy it. But instead, what ends up happening is it retreats to the, well, I'm just doing this bracketology job. No, 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 no. Bottom line is Steve Forbes is doing exactly what he should be doing. He's not only just defending his team yeah. and getting him in the NCAA tournament. Well, he's filling a void. And he's filling a void that is desperately needed in the ACC because you talk, you know, we compare the Big East all the time or we talk about the Big East a lot. The problem right now that the ACC has versus the Big East is that the Big East has personalities. The problem that the ACC has right now versus the SEC is that the SEC has personalities. And there was a stat that was making the rounds about uh, coaching, right? It was Chris over at uh, Bless Your Chart. He's like, yeah, you want to know what's been going on with the ACC? Look at these coaches that have come through the ACC. You and I have talked about yeah. this. We can watch a game, a random game in the SEC. We can ro- watch a random Big East game. And what what's the first thing that you can tell? If we understand college basketball's personality driven by coaches, the ACC used to have it with Hall of Famers. Now they don't. I'm not saying Steve Forbes is going to go on to be a Hall of Famer. Sure. I'm absolutely saying he's the type of coach that the ACC used to have all the time that we don't really have anymore for whatever reason. So shouts to Steve Forbes. We mentioned North Carolina. 
this is kind of illustrating a point. We've gone 28 minutes into the podcast today. We have not talked about North Carolina going up to Charlottesville and doing something they haven't done since 2012. That's win at Virginia. It was a gross game. I decided, all right, let me see what I missed on Sunday morning. Are we Because you know, we were out doing the tailgate thing and everything else, so I was only keeping up with the score. I did the same thing. I watched it that night. And I, and I got, when I started to watch it on Sunday morning, I went, why am I watching this? Why would anybody watch this? This is atrocious. But two things that immediately stuck out to me. One was a conversation we had with Josh Pastner, what, last Thursday or the Thursday before, when we when he talked about whether or not Carolina had a griminess to it. And I wanted to push back on Josh a little bit by saying, eh, I don't know if I buy that, given that North Carolina has been in some close games and they found different ways to win. They've overcome certain issues. They've overcome some toughness questions. They've overcome poor shooting by their key players and still found ways to either be in the game at the end or find a way to win. And I think going up to Virginia in a gross game illustrates that point again. They can find other ways to win, which is why I like North Carolina and how they've taken control of the ACC again. And then the other one, Cormac Ryan was kind of going through it. I saw the mentions. Hey, man, Hubert Davis keeps giving Cormac Ryan minutes. What? What? Why does he have this? Why is he in the lineup? Well, the last two games, he's been making some big shots and he was key in this game against Virginia. Here's the thing. If I've, and I, I'm right about this. I've been screaming all year. Okay. The difference between these teams, all of these teams, is very little. So ultimately, how do you win basketball games? Confidence. Mm-hmm. On January 3rd, came in here and I told you after Carolina beat Pitt, this was an important mental hurdle for them. Watch them take off. They won their next seven games. Going to Virginia and winning that game was an important mental hurdle for Carolina. Ultimately, won't make that much of a difference on their record, their seed, and all those other things. But mentally, after the little blip there, this now resets them mentally mm-hmm. and sets them back up. Shit, if we can do this, what can't we do now? Yeah, You watch them rattle off the next four games because they're going to. Then they're going to get to D.C. And the question is, it's going to be the old age, old question. Do they want to pour that thing out and win that thing, which they did the last time it was in D.C.? or or are they, you know, are they are they going to be content with, you know, we'll sit this one out. Not Maybe we'll, we'll be ready for March. That's not this group. It's the, we'll other, see. It's, 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 it's the former, not the latter. I, I think these guys keep are on a on a, a fire breathing path, which is good. And that's what that's what I'm saying to you. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm, again, I'll go back to Creighton. They literally beat UConn. And the next freaking game after Rick Patino absolutely obliterates his own roster. Mm-hmm. Okay. And even says, I've had some shitty years in my life, but this is the worst one. And you go this is a guy who team. was ran out of Boston, by the way. He even <laughs> said, I enjoyed that year. By comparison, he took an absolute dump all over his roster. And somehow they, beat you. they end up going and beating Creighton. And yeah. again, we're not saying one word about Creighton. Do you know why? Because they don't matter. But what the, what does matter is... All of these teams are very similar. And what matters is what did you do last game? What do you have coming up next game? Who's mad at you? Who's not mad at you? And where are you mentally? That's the kind of win for Carolina that's going to set them forward here for the next few weeks. Big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio, check them out online, myhtr.com. I've actually started to pay attention to this. I've seen the for sale signs go up. You know, interest rates have 
slowly come back down to earth a little bit. They're not crazy, crazy high. People are interested in possibly selling their home or buying a new home. Well, get in front of the frenzy. MyHTR.com. Get in front of the frenzy. Get in front of that new construction too. Because there are some, there is still some affordable housing here in Raleigh. I know it's hard to believe. But your best chance of getting those affordable places and getting into that new construction and getting those incentives is to go through Hometown Realty. It's myhtr.com, buy, sell, calculate. You just bought, you just sold, maybe you actually refinanced. Whitaker and Hamer, check them out. wh.lawyer, again, that's wh.lawyer. Um, we are getting ready to go to DC for the NCAA, for, for the ACC tournament. I think I'm driving, so I don't think I have to worry about having Whitaker and Hamer on speed dial just in case. Yeah. But if there's a change and you end up driving, well, you no, know no, who no. to call. No, we're not. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm smart enough to know what I don't know, and Whitaker and Hamer can help you if they're smart enough to have the world's greatest URL. They're smart enough to help you with all your legal needs. It's wh dot lawyer. Doobie Brothers tile yet or no? I haven't made that tile yet. I haven't made that tile yet. I'll make, I'll make that tile. You you making me like go and listen to the podcast and then you cheated me. You gave me like 11 seconds of it. Well, I mean... I need like the whole run out, man. Well, we got to get to... Come the, on, man. We got to get to the... Point. No, no. I just... No. I'll just send you the... I'll send you the That's audio file from vibe. Ryan if you vibe. Speaking of vibe. Speaking of vibe. It's the theme of the show today. I got bars. And what did you expect to happen, right? And there was a seven-on-seven seven tournament over the weekend, and Cam Newton. Oh, I'm like, what? What would I miss? <laughs> Cam Newton is is big into the seven on yeah, seven. He likes to play. He's play got football. he's got his team. Yeah. you know, he's got all that stuff, and you know, he's elevating the kids and makes time for the kids and everything else. But a fight broke out. Did you see the clip? Mm-hmm. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'll pull. I'll just go ahead and pull up the clip right now. Uh, the best part about this is that the clip starts with a guy wearing a shirt, and the back of the shirt says, "This shit personal." <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Might take yourself too seriously. <laughs> might, I mean, dude, it's a seven on seven tournament. This shit Just maybe. personal. And uh, this clip went viral from a guy named Van Man 1000. And he says, Cam Newton fighting the TSP dudes. Now, my first question was, who the hell are the TSP dudes? This shit personal. It's shit personal. <laughs> Apparently, it's it, TSP. This shit personal. Top sports performance is the name of the seven on seven group. Okay. <laughs> That's the name of the group. But yes, TSP could also stand for that. So if you're watching on YouTube, Cam's got his hat I on. See the hat. How do you miss him? You can't miss him. The, the Cam is okay. All right, hard hard pause here. Hard pause here. If you're watching on YouTube, Wait, how do we how do we magically get a second camera angle? Of I know, that? right? Isn't <laughs> the, where's like edit? So if you're watching on it's YouTube, like reels, and, and I'm trying to I'm trying to explain this for the podcast audience. Cam's got one guy trying to hold him back. He's got this other dude by the neck. And then it continues as he's putting another guy in a headlock while tossing the guy who he's grabbing the neck. And then another dude comes up to just punch Cam in the face. Cam is not phased. He's being held back by his uh, whoever his crew is. The hat never comes off. No. Folks. Folks. That cop is a tank, by the way. Right? Because <laughs> all of them are just bouncing off Cam. Do you want to know what a game changer is? Yeah. That's a game changer, all right? You know, that's all the debate all the season long. Oh, game changer versus a game manager. The man just illustrated for you at a fight at a seven-on-seven tournament that that's what he's talking about. That is a game changer. Come get this, Brock Purdy. You could never, 
<laughs> you could never do that. So, of course, I get down to the YouTube rabbit hole, the social media rabbit hole. Who are these guys? X, Y, Z. And apparently this some man, the guy who was involved dissed Cam before the event or after the event, after I guess his team had beaten Cam's team. This is what he was saying. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, man, I'm going to say it. They can't hide the film now. You know what I'm saying? That three times. You know what I'm saying? Y'all not throwing that, none throwing that Atlanta hero quarterback. <laughs> Just cannot beat me. Uh, uh, he can't, actually. You mean, you might, you might beat him on the field, but he's literally beating you right there. And we'll close this part of the conversation by bringing up this blurb from our friend Darren Gant, Panthers.com, who has covered Cam for a very, very long time and brought this to our attention once again. It's very important. This man, Cam, was once hit by a dump truck, broke his back, and 11 days later, ran for a touchdown, threw one, and beat the Browns. What did you think you were going to do to him, young blood? I can't really put it any better than that from what our friend Darren Gant said in relation to that Cam Newton video. Just, I could watch, there was so much going on in all of that, but why anybody, anybody thought they could step to Cam. Love it. Next topic, please. Now, speaking of the Carolina Panthers, Mike K, Charlotte Observer, joining us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Happy Combine Week, Mike. Are you hype? Trying to get there. Yeah, uh, yeah, trying to get funny. there. Trying to make this shiz personal. You know what I mean? I'm trying to trying to get there. But, uh, you know, it's been a weird month for me. And it's, as you guys know, and it's also been kind of a weird month for the Panthers. Kind of listless. So. Um, you know, we're going to get to talk to Dan Morgan and Dave Canales on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yippee. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Honestly, oh, the, okay. the, the, there's the Dan Morgan portion of this going into the combat. I know you recently wrote about this for the shell observer and we can talk about that, but I think the way you just helped us intro this part of the conversation, it is listless, right? I, I guess because of the draft picks, because of the way last season went, you know, this here we go again. Oh, David Tepper's still the owner. So what's really going to change? In a way, I almost feel this is probably a good thing for the Panthers to have this kind of like extremely low profile. Nobody's talking about you. There's no dis- not distraction, but this obsession with the first pick in the draft. Who's it going to be? There is zero attention on the Panthers. And that actually might be good for them. Yeah, I mean, last year turned out to be a mirage, right? And so now we're kind of in the dunes of like the sand pit. There's there, that's the reality, right? Like they're trying to climb out of this hole, and there's no kind of you know, oh, check out this all star coaching staff. Check out the big trade that we made. Blah blah. You know what I mean? Then again, the trade was made right after the combine uh, last year, but we're not expecting a huge, huge move right off the bat. I think. For them, this needs to be a rebuild in earnest. And the way you do that is kind of not boasting about and not making it very front facing. And so that's clearly what the Panthers have realized they need to do, which to your point, I think is probably a positive. I can't wait for ESPN's coverage and for Bill Belichick to tell us what a great premium asset the number 33 pick is. What do you think is the best use of that premium asset, Mike? I mean, I think trade back. 
I thought trade back last year too uh 39 when you have a top 10 pick in the second round you not only get an entire day to reset your board and kind of study what could potentially happen but you also have 31 other teams who are doing that uh when you own the 33rd overall pick you earn a uh basically a first round pick b you know what i mean like you're there are guys you know uh, to inside football typically teams have 16 to 18 first round grades not everybody has the same amount of first-round grades on guys, whatever. So typically, there will be guys that fall into the 30s who have first-round grades. And if you're a team that badly feels like you need a wide receiver or badly feels like you need an offensive tackle who fell or a pass rusher, whatever, that can be kind of a, a lucrative spot to kind of opportunity cost and trade up. Uh, and frankly, the Panthers need that help because they don't have a first-round pick this year. And in 2025, they don't have a second round pick. So they need to kind of get some lottery tickets, especially with how much they're probably going to spend on defense this offseason. <laughs> what is a, a plausible route for them to rebuild their offensive line? I think you have to look at it from the tackle sp- situation. I think, look, Moten, they have a lot of different options. They can restructure, they can release, which I don't think they will do, but he's got a massive cap number. And typically the best way to to handle that when he is your best lineman is to extend him. I think he's been the most consistent. He's been the most durable. You want to have veterans blocking for your, your quarterback, especially a young one. And I think that's an avenue that they will go from there. I think the left side really needs a lot of competition. I don't know if that means you move Brady Christensen to left tackle where he's more naturally fit or with, uh, Iki Iquanu moving inside to left guard, or you have them both competing on the left side. But I think they really need to draft somebody who has tackle guard versatility, who can start somewhere on this line and make it better. You've got Christensen and, and Corbett who are again coming off season ending injuries, major injuries, by the way. Um, and then Bozeman greatly underperformed at center. I mean, they, they have to look into this interior line, but they also need to, expand the versatility of tackle as well. If you look at their, op- we talked about opportunity costs earlier. Gosh, the offensive tackle market and free agency is horrific. You don't want to sign a guy in his mid thirties for a rebuilding project and guard. I'm not a big believer in paying external guards. Corbett worked out. That's fine. But I mean, you really want to develop those positions and with a new offensive line coach in house, they're going to have to be tactical with the way they kind of grow this thing. So Dan Morgan is now headed to this combine as the general manager. It's not his first combine, just not in this position. I know you recently wrote about this, but what can we really, can we learn anything from Morgan given all the things that we just kind of laid out where they are with the draft? You know, I know the salary caps going up, but you know, there's only so much you can do to try to start resetting this thing. So what do we kind of expect out of Morgan going to the combine? I think he'll have an answer somewhat on Brian Burns. I think we'll get a feel for Derek Brown's potential contract extension. I brought up Taylor Moten potentially being extended. I think those are easy things to answer. Um, The franchise tag deadline is March 5th. Uh, We saw T Higgins get the tag. I think that that gives the Bengals a lot of wiggle room to chat around. You can't discuss a trade uh, with, with other teams, excuse me. If a guy isn't tagged or under contract, And this gives T Higgins an opportunity to go search for his market if they allowed him to do that. So Burns is a guy who obviously has a lot of mystery around him. I think 
they are far apart, just the vibe that I get. And, you know, I think they're going to have to talk at the combine. This is a new regime technically. And so they're going to have to figure this thing out, but I'm very interested to see after a guy claimed that he wanted dogs, what he has to say about Burns, Luvu, Brown and Moten. Now there's contract considerations in there with Brian Burns. I mean, are we talking, is it too late on Brian Burns? Yeah, that, do you, like, did they screw this thing up beyond the point of salvaging or, yeah. or what can they do with him? I think if, if, Fitterer and Suleiman were still there. I think we'd be heading in that direction. I think Dan Morgan just getting the top voice kind of changes things. I think Brent Tillis, a new negotiator coming in makes sense. And that's not to say that like Burns has a problem with either one of those guys who's, who are no longer there. That's to say this is a brand new negotiating period. I think you can't just throw it out now. Um, and frankly, this group has to get off to a fresh start. Tillis is known for being a tad conservative uh, based on, on the conversations that I've had. So I I think they're going to have to find a common ground. I think it's to everybody's benefit because frankly, he doesn't have the trade value that he did uh, in 2022. And he doesn't also doesn't have the, the contract leverage that he had in 2022 or really last year. Um, The rise of the salary cap makes his franchise tag number extremely palatable um they have wiggle room around that that's okay um i think we actually might see a record number of franchise tags this year because Mm -hmm. of how palatable it is now because of that excess cap and then also like you look at two guys who were outperforming him last year got traded at the deadline for a second and third round pick montez sweat who got a massive contract extension but that wasn't necessarily part of the deal and then chase young who might just be a, a half year rental was a third round pick. So like, what are you trading for Brian Burns? Realistically, those guys were on rookie contracts. They were young. They were having very good seasons. So um, what they could do is they could tag them and say, Hey, look, go find your market. This is the non-exclusive tag. If you can find a team that's willing to trade a first round pick and more and pay your price, be my guest. But last year kind of killed them in the leverage game. He had Mm -hmm. kind of a subbar season. Um, there are guys who are going to be in free agency, Bryce Huff, who had a better year than him. And you don't have to trade a first round pick or anything like that for him. So that also hurts his leverage as well. So I'm interested to see how both sides of this play it. I mean, you know, there were reports out there that they offer 27 million. Um, that's around the number that I've heard. That's Joey Bosa money. Joey Bosa made four Pro Bowls and signed his contract four years ago. So there's market inflation, but there's also age. There's there's a lot that goes into these negotiations, but they can easily sign Burns, Luvu, and Brown and be okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something you have to consider as well. Yeah, I guess and we can close it on this. <laughs> At first, I thought, okay, well... The window seems to have closed on on Brian Burns in terms of leverage. So why would you tag him and trade him? Because I've seen that float around. Tag and trade, tag and trade. I'm like, but what are you really going to get in return for this? I understand the desire to do so because you're trying to replenish your draft picks, but is it really worth it? So the question then becomes, what is digestible for the Panthers as the salary cap continues to go up? Because sometimes I'm of the mind of, yeah, you might lose the negotiation when the press release goes out, but these things happen over time. And as things go up, this contract actually might look pretty good in the long run. I always made that 
argument when it came to Christian McCaffrey when they signed him. Like, yo, that contract will look good in a couple of years. So do you see a scenario where Burns does get signed and that based on a coaching change and who they can put around him, his his numbers actually go up? Because I don't know about you. I mean, I'm not Mr. Football coachy guy here, but I mean, it's pretty easy to isolate Brian Burns when the rest of the defense didn't really hold up there under the bargain. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think it's also fair to say that they never really led in games. So that also plays into pressure, that plays mm-hmm. into sacks. I think he's got a case. Like, I I, I don't think that you should be in the business of letting a top three player on your team go. Um, I think it would be prudent for them to re-sign him. But I also think you've got to do it within reason, right? Like, you can't be held hostage by a contract. I, I just, I think that that's, that's probably what, Tillis and Morgan really have to have to figure out because they're going to have a ton of cap space next year. And what you right. can do is you can sign them to a massive signing bonus and spread that total out throughout the years where you have a ton of, of, you know, you know, landing room to make all these deals. That's the thing they've, the previous regime set them up kind of well because next year and 2026, they have oodles of cap space and so if you're going to put a lot of money into the defense in retaining Luvu, Brown, and Burns, you can float all that money into the next year. The problem that they, they're going to have is they really need to upgrade this offense, and they have to figure out a way to, to accomplish that by getting pretty much cap sound by free agency, or they're going to miss out. Mike K., Charlotte Observer, check him out. We appreciate the time and your Panthers insight and enjoy the underwear Olympics. Thank you. Big thanks to Butcher's Market for hanging out with us on Ovi's and Gilio uh, from the get-go and helping us with the OG tailgate this past weekend at the Canes game. We'll be doing it again. As usual. Kenneth had something for me that I hadn't had yet. Mm-hmm. The maple chicken. Yeah. Off the charts. I ended up going with the chicken meatballs again yesterday because I was lazy. So I just put it in the oven for two hours. Good to go with, with some spaghetti. Uh, and I also had the spinach artichoke dip too to go uh, to go with that. And that was really, really excellent. Uh, one of our listeners put me on to the Italian stuffed chicken. And I saw it at the butcher's market there on Falls. There's a lot going on with that chicken. Like there's prosciutto in there. I think there's like there's. It's almost like an Italian sandwich inside of a chicken. Ooh. So well, like that was nap time for me. <laughs> so that's why I didn't get it last night. But it's on the list. It's on the list to get in the future. So again, big thanks to Kenneth at the butcher's market for helping us out with the OG tailgate. And of course, big thanks to Breeze Through. Breeze Through is where we meet up. For the beer exchange, <laughs> the PNC Arena location breeze through. The breeze through the last couple of weeks has come in handy with their coffee because we've been going over to the arena to do some cane stuff. I was going to say that's been clutch. You had the dark roast the other day. I was. I've never been more jealous in my life. As if I didn't have access. It's right there. But you do too. All of the locations, seventeen in the state of North Carolina. Breeze through's there for you. So check them out. Breeze through. We appreciate them. Don't forget about the McDee's through as well. I actually drove past McDee's through the other day. The Taj McBreeze through. Yes. I also got some lottery tickets at that location. Didn't win. Sorry. The OG fortune will have to wait for another round of lottery tickets. (laughs) 
Speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes, joining us on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline, it's Mike Menescoco. He is the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Mike, what is up? I'm just upset that the OG fortune has to wait. I thought for sure the scratchers is the best plan to get there. So. I mean, how do you think we're going like to how, how do you think we're going to pay for your appearances? It's all exactly. about <laughs> you mean I'm not getting paid in scratchers. We're going to have to go review this here, boys. <laughs> Although if my dad had his way, <laughs> every time he goes like, do you want a lottery ticket? Because he always wants to take a cut. Remember, uh, he's, oh, always, yeah. he's always ready to take the cut. If I win, of course, smart man. <laughs> So uh, the Canes went from warm fuzzies, you know, they put, they, they won, they beat the, 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 the Florida Panthers. We got a catchy phrase from Piotr Kochekov, no touch my guys. Uh, but then they followed up with uh, some uh, what lackluster performances. I know that Rob Brennamore was not happy with the performance last night in their loss to Buffalo. No, and, and the loss to Buffalo is, is one of those things where, it's not an effort thing. It's the execution and being sharp and managing the puck. And the fear of when you play a team like Buffalo, who's out of it, and you know, you you ready for the cliches? They have nothing to lose, right? Right. You know, they're they're a team that they're playing for jobs. And it, what Buffalo has sneakily done uh, about the last month and a half or so, they become a much better defensive team. Like the book on them was. Yeah, they're going to score three or four. They're going to give up seven. Well, now they tighten things up, and you come off of that Florida game. That that was a playoff game, guys. I, and I know regular season, we can run down the cliches for that. Oh, that no, really no, no. did you, feel like it. We the OG is official oh, yeah. playoff like atmosphere apologist. We we, are talk, and we talked about it. That was a playoff game. You know that's what that feels like. Uh, the the Dallas Stars are just a really good team, I, and I've I've gone on record. Uh, on on our broadcast on Valley Sports South saying, I think they're the team that's coming out of the Western Conference. I think they're going to play for the Stanley Cup. I like how they're built. I like how they play. Uh, And they create some matchup problems for the Canes. But, you know, you come off of that game with Florida, hard game, physical game. Dallas is a tough team. That's a coin flip game. It can go either way. Canes didn't do enough to make Dallas's life miserable after the Florida game. They didn't put enough pucks on net. We can run down that list. The thing about the the Sabres game, and this is going to sound like an excuse. You're playing 22 hours after you played two really physical games, you know, two games in three days. Now you're playing three and four. You got a tight turnaround. Don't get into Buffalo till two in the morning. And, you know, you're human. Are are you going to have your best game ever? No, they still had a chance to win. They go to overtime. They go to the shootout. They have their opportunities. Uh, Spencer Martin, I don't want to bury the lead. Uh, How about a another unbelievable waiver wire find in the nets for the Carolina Hurricanes. Remember, you guys should be asking me about the goalie situation. I don't think that there's anything to ask about the goalie situation right now other than the other two injured guys when they might come back. Mm -hmm. And and even then, um, they're not playing, so you can use the coach speak of they're not playing, so we're not really talking about them. Um, Is it disappointing? Yeah. But now all that does is these next two games on this road trip, you got to find a way to beat Minnesota, who's hot. You got to find a way to beat Columbus. The thing for the Canes now until the end of the regular season, compile points. That's what you have to do. Don't let Philadelphia sneak up behind you and jump you in the standings. I, I Canes still have a chance to catch the Rangers, but they were on fire. They won 10 in a row. You just need to compile points now. You need to be, Julio, this is for you. You need to be a great athlete at the end of your career 
Your best years are behind you. You're a compiler now. You're adding numbers so when the Hall of Fame looks at you, they can't deny you. And, and that's what the Canes need to do now. They need to continue to add numbers, add points. And as long as they're not giving away points to teams that can catch them, you know, Buffalo's not making the playoffs. Look, they should they should win games like that, but there's no easy outs in this league. Yeah. We can we can run down all of this again. Um I, I didn't I didn't hate the way that they played, but that wasn't their best game of the season. Because they just didn't do a good enough job managing the puck against a team that if you play structured against them, you can break them. Mike, uh, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Did you know, Mike, that you can sell your car to the Heaster Automotive Group? I did not know this mm-hmm. until I recently did it. So I just wanted to point that out for our listeners right now. I pride myself on my Rod Brindamore radar, Mike. Um, maybe it's Rodgar. I don't, I don't know what we want to call that. <laughs> Put uh, it on a t-shirt. But I was there it is. Hashtag Rodgar. <laughs> I was disappointed in myself the other day when I had asked him a question about Sebastian Ajo. Because I feel like... Uh, Sebastian has found a gear here this year. I feel like there's a little bit something going on. I've been super impressed uh, in the last month in particular. I don't know if you call him fishy or sep or sea bass. I don't know which one is preferred. Um, but I, I, I thought he, I, I'm seeing something out of him. And I thought maybe Rod was seeing the same thing. And that was I got a quick, I don't know about all that from Rod when I asked that question. Uh, what do you think of what Mr. Ajo has been able, the real Ajo has been able to do this season? You know, um, for me, with with Sebastian, I think it's it's really come down to the fact that he needed to take that step forward. When we're talking about the best players in the league, and is he in that group? Does he deserve to be in that group? And I think that you know it's hard when you 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 look at teams and players that you rely on, game breakers, a big game situation. Now he did that against Florida. I think that he's taken steps, but. You know, Rod knows the game a hell of a lot better than I I can want to uh, at this point. You know, just he's got it there. I think he knows that there's more to Sebastian Ajo's game than just, hey, he's on a good point streak right now. Like he I think he looks at Sebastian Ajo and is holding him to the standard that Rod Brindamore held himself to the standard as a player. Of It's not just going out and, hey, I had, you know, a goal and an assist or I'm a hundred point player. It's how are you impacting the game in the places that people don't notice? You know, are you winning your draws? Are you not allowing the other team offensive chances? And are you being, when we need you to be a game breaker, are you doing that? And I think that goes back to um, the game. I got to do it right now in the quick math in my head, 13 days ago in Dallas, where Ajo and Sveshnikov had zero shots on goal against the Dallas Stars in a game that was there to be had. Mm -hmm. I think that's where, when you ask a question like that for Rod Joe, he's going to say, nah, no, I think there, there might be a little bit more here. He's not going to make that noise, but you yeah, know, but by the way, this question was asked before Ajo's game winner against uh, Florida in, in that <laughs> game. So it wasn't, maybe that was it. Maybe he needed that little push maybe. from, from our, well, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe it got back to him. But um, I, for me this year, I'm, I'm going to skew more towards you. I've, I've seen him take that stride where, okay, he's ready to be talked about in that. Now, is he Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? No, but but he he doesn't get talked about around the league in the star category, and he is definitely that, and I think he's shown that this year. I think he's one of the best two-way players in the league. One thing I really liked from his postgame from Thursday was most people get excited about when they score a goal and, you know, they won the game and this and that, and he was mad that he missed the, the, the redirect. 
Like, oh, yeah. he, like he was like legitimately mad, like at himself. Like, well, I should have put the game away, you know, five minutes before that. Like, th- that's why these guys are so different mm-hmm. than all of us. You know what I mean? Like, we're sitting here thinking, oh, wow, you just won this great game and you scored a goal. And it was like, uh, yeah, that's cool. But <laughs> <laughs> I had this chance and I'm sitting here stewing over that chance rather than what I actually, the play that I actually made. So no, that, that's, that's the thing for me that separates him from the average player in the league where the average player in the league, you know, they're going to exhale and go like, Oh, you know, that, that didn't come back to haunt me. No. And and again, that speaks to his makeup and his character. You guys have been around him long enough. You always hear he's the most competitive guy on the team. He really is like he, and he is a guy who is not about the points. He's not about the personal stuff. He is all about winning games and, and winning titles. And I think that that comes growing up around the game and his dad, Hari, who's was a player, and as a general manager over in Finland, I, I think that it it got instilled in him in a young age that if you do your job, everything that comes with it personally will fall into place. But really the key is you do your job, you win games, and that's better for everybody. And, and this is a guy who, yeah, he will he'll obsess about something that he didn't do in the first period that, mm-hmm. that could be better. And I think that that mental makeup is what makes him the special player that we get to watch every night here in Carolina. I feel like that's just typical of any athlete or coach that we've ever talked to. I mean, I'll go back to the brief moment we had with Paul Maurice or the brief moment Joe had with Paul Maurice on Thursday ahead of the game where you were looking for the quote, you know, don't, don't effing start with me. Right. And he remembered the situation. He's like, we lost that game three, two. Yeah. We (laughs) lost that game three, two. Right. And Todd Barrasso, he was fantastic in that game though. And it's like, how do you, it's always the losses. (laughs) Like Roy will tell you down to the second, how North Carolina lost that final four game and everything else is warm fuzzies, but he'll tell you it's a, it's a wild thing that these guys remember and what they don't remember. Oh, the, the losses stick much longer and much more vibrant than the wins, the wins. It's the euphoria, the losses for the real competitors. Yeah. I mean, they, they take it with them to their grave for the one that they should have had, or this should have happened that way. And like you say, the, the details for them, they can tell you what the smell was like in the air when it happened. I mean, that's the amazing thing to me. At some point, I'm like, you know, you lost the game. Trust, trust me. It's the, the smell is the same regard wherever. Oh, but obvious, you know me really well. I, I can remember the bad stuff, like to where the sun was in the sky when it happened to me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can understand. I can really understand why these guys win you, when it doesn't go their way they get upset mike has hit me we'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye here mike has hit me with it remember when you told me i'm like actually mike i don't but i believe yeah. because you remember that but okay. if only if only i had the athletic ability boys it would be way different <laughs> mike veniscalco valley sports all right man we'll talk to you later you got it guys thanks Before we get out of here on some Hey Joe questions, big thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Check them out, bugsbite.com. You've noticed that all these streamers are bundling, right? Now you've got Hulu with Paramount and Showtime. You've got Spulu, which is, yeah, 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 that's what they're calling it now. ESPN, Fox, and Warner. Not Hulu, but Spulu, Sports Hulu. Well, bugsbite.com, you can combine and bundle with Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. So go check them out today. Again, that's bugsbite.com. 
golfstorytoday.com. All right. Hey, Joe, do you have a golf story for me? Uh, I do. Oh, but boy. B- before we do that. Yeah. Because Hayes Lancaster was out in Hawaii yeah, he watching the Wolf Pack. Yeah, he wasn't at the game on Saturday. Baseball. So that was good. State uh, ends up winning two or three out in Hawaii. That was good. Shouts though to ECU and Carolina because I love that they do this every year. Mm-hmm. They play a three-game series. They play one in Chapel Hill. This time they played a game down in uh, Fayetteville and they played a game in Greenville yesterday. Um, ECU with a walk-off yesterday to win 10-9 record crowd like tickets were like a hundred dollars on yeah. a stub hub yesterday to try to get into clark leclerc stadium so uh amazing atmosphere particularly for a february my gosh uh unbelievable but i love that those two schools got together and do it in that way and state and ecu are getting together uh they have two one-off games the first one is the one that's in the one in raleigh will support als so i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to cliff godwin making his og debut we're we're, we're 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 working on that we're working on that okay. you, you know sometimes ecu they, they don't exactly uh want to talk nice to me sometimes but <laughs> you got a kid there <sighs> you're paying tuition they should, I, they should be cool with it's it. a great cause and it affects both schools so i'm yes. looking forward to that yes. so i uh, wanted to give baseball quick college baseball shout out there i uh, also wanted to give a shout out to high point i think i sent you the clip from they got they got a shout out on on cbs and they're they're approaching us because we know how much we care about high point basketball. We do um, huge high point basketball. Let me people. just make sure I get it right because they were one of the winners over the weekend from CBS. They're twenty three and six now. They've already tied the previous school record for wins as a Division one program. So twenty three and six. Big shouts yeah, to the no, Panthers. You didn't send me that. You sent me some UConn men's basketball. We are the true blue blood. Oh, oh yes, and... little, a little shit talk there with Rip Hamilton and. Uh, <laughs> Jay Williams and yeah. uh, a Michael McDonald talking about minute by minute. Oh man. So that's, yeah, that's we, what you we, said. We man. need to play that. Yeah. No, I, I have a golf story. Okay. All right. I know how you feel about Go these. on. This is like, I, I got to use my 15 wood, by the way. I know this is the equivalent of me telling you a gambling loss story or about how great my NBA fantasy team is doing. I get that. Okay. But I do have a legitimate question for you. Yeah. Okay. So eighth hole yesterday at the home course is a par three. Mm-hmm. And it's a longer tee box. So all sets of tees are in this tee box. It's probably about 25 yards long. Okay. So I tee off from the blue tees. I completely like flub the shot. Mm -hmm. And it like dribbles up to the red tees. There was a group behind us. So I was like kind of in a hurry. Jackson was playing with me. It was getting cold. I basically like sprint walk up to my ball. That's at the red tees. Choke down on my seven iron, which was my 150, my 150 yard club. I sting it up to the green. Mm -hmm. And I said to Jackson in the car, I go, that's either an all time great par or the best birdie of my life. Walk up to the green. We walk up to the green. We look for my ball. It's in the hole. Mm. And Jackson was like, well, that's kind of like a hole in one. I was like, kind of. He's like, well, I would tell people that I got a whole one from the Red Seas. I was like, no, that's that's not no. what that is. No, that's not what that but is. That's not what it is. Tell me that's not the best birdie of all time. Yeah. Right. Actually, you know, like on the level of all time birdies. Yes. Given how mad you were at yourself <laughs> for flubbing. Because I know yes. I can envision it. <laughs> I can envision it in my head how mad you were at flubbing the tee shot. Yes. And it just dribbling up to the Red Seas. But then to salvage it like that, yeah, that's one of the all-time great birdies, okay. without a doubt. Okay, without a doubt, I felt like a backdoor hole in one. I've never had a hole in one. That still doesn't count. No, 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 it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't no, count. no, no. But 
the idea of knocking it in from a set of tees. Yes. I've never had that feeling okay. before. All right. All right. And it was also like a really, really, really good shot because again, I'm using my 150 yard club from like 115 yards. And I mean, I'm talking, I just stung that thing. Like I was on one of those golf uh, influencer videos. Like yeah. it was really nice. Yeah. So you, you and I show childlike behavior in different ways. We do. And uh, I would, where my childlike behavior comes in or my immature behavior comes in is like essentially what you're saying is that that's a hole in one. That's the equivalent of dry humping. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, you're kind of doing all the things. You, you, it's it's when you look back at it, you're like, no, that really does count. Right. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't. Actually, no. it doesn't. But it felt good. <laughs> felt great. In the moment, and we, we definitely Jackson and I walking up to the. I go, "Where's the ball?" I go, "I think that went in." Sorry, my my first again. That was my. That's where my brain went. I was like, "Ah, it's like the dry hump equivalent of yeah. all in one." So, <laughs> just now, let's move on. Okay, uh, from Eric, look at this treasure trove. I mean, I, I woke up and I saw that tweet this morning. And look, I was like, look, if you're watching, it's, it's the Raleigh Flyers one that gets it for me. <laughs> That's the thing. So if you're if you're watching on YouTube, uh, listener Eric sent a picture of a haul that came out of a briefcase that were cleaning out a bunch of stuff. Right off the bat, I want things now. I, I want things for the studio if he's willing to give them up. The Raleigh Flyers patches number one because we do have some Cobra stuff. I got this license plate. I just added an autographed when we have somebody third person in studio. An autographed King Cobra mascot picture. Very excited about that. <laughs> that old 850, the Buzz bumper sticker from like, that's circa 2002. That's not two stations, one cup yet. No, that's no. circa 2002 time okay. frame. There's one of those still in the Cary Iceplex, the Cary Ice House. That's in the DJ booth. I love that. The Ice ice Caps Puck and Stick. That's also really good. What, too. Is the, what do we have? A bulls and a mudcats? We got bulls, bats, bats, mini bat, and a mini Louisville slugger mudcats. And of course, I will, no, oh, what's the hockey stick? Is it ice caps? That's an ice caps hockey stick. Oh, wow. I want these things. The ice caps hockey stick. We could probably dip into the uh, also, OG is, budget for those two things. This, Eric wants to negotiate with us. What is an offensive specialist, by the way? Aaron Bailey. Of oh, you Cobras. don't remember? I don't remember that. Was it four on four or five on five? So that that made you an offensive specialist. Well, you weren't really a receiver. You weren't really a running back. Yeah, good point. You good were point. Uh, point. a specialist. Good point. And from JB, since because the guys had to play two ways too. That's right. It was like a that's designation. Right. That's right. Since y'all are old old soda aficionados, look at these bad boys we found in my grandmother's shed while cleaning it out. This um, this is a beaut of a Pepsi. It's like some strange North Carolina anniversary thing probably from 1976 i'm guessing mm. and then there's also this uh what is this from 1976 farm fest? farm fest uh, a dr pepper commemorative bottle wow i'm in let's go jp if you want to negotiate when it comes to uh that north carolina pepsi i'm all in for that one all right that's gonna wrap it up for today's show tomorrow Chip Patterson, CBS Sports, is going to hang out in studio with us as apparently the Big Ten and the SEC want more. Nothing nefarious is going on with no, the Big Ten and I the SEC. Trust I trust them to do the right thing as they want more with the college football playoff. So Chip's going to help us find a better way to make the college football playoff work. And Wes Durham's going to drop on by because he had a very, very cool sit-down event with Mike Krzyzewski yeah. and Roy Williams that's going to air on the 28th. So we'll talk to him about how that all came about. Will be a lot of fun and we'll see you then. Mm -hmm.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.